Welcome to the Two Top Podcast, the weekly podcast where we go over different topics in the world. I'm your host, Thomas Lance, and I'm here with my co-host, Matt Berg. How's it going? You can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Make sure to follow us on Twitter to stay updated on the latest episodes. Now let's dive right into this week's episode of Two Top. You ready? On this wonderful snow day outside, Two Top is back. Yeah, we're keeping cozy by the fire in here. I wish there was a fire. There's wish, a fire. There's also. a fire downstairs, but we're we're chilling. We're chilling in the coldest house, the coldest room in this abode. But it's fine. It's always fine because you know what, Matt? This is the first podcast of 2018. Hey, it really is. Yeah, New and, Year, same podcast. It's gonna be a good start. I feel it already. And you know why it's going to be a good start? Because I'm going to talk about the most annoying thing you can have in your house, your office, your business. We're talking about printers. I hate printers. Printers suck. (laughs) Printers suck. But you need them. And you need them. But I'm going to go into it. I'm going to explain a little bit why the ones you use suck. But there's two categories of printers. You got your inkjets and your lasers. I mean, we'll start with the lasers because if I could own... A printer, like a laser printer, would be really nice. Oh yeah, absolutely. Do you own a printer now? I don't personally own a printer, but you have a family printer. We have probably. a family printer. Yeah, yeah, as do I. But there's a lot of benefits to lasers and inkjets. But let's explain how they work. So a laser printer uses lasers, which is pretty awesome. So inside a laser printer, there is a rotating cylinder which has photosensitive material on it. And this inside this printer, there's also mirrors. So the laser bounces off the mirrors and onto the rolling cylinder, which nullifies the electrical charge in specific parts, creating your image. Like all the, all the spots that the laser hits is the image. So this then takes the cylinder and then it hits it with toner particles, which the toner only sticks to the part that the laser hit that's now charged. And because of this, they then squish it into the paper, and then with heat, the toner becomes adhered to the page. Ah. And that is why whenever you take a stack of papers out of a laser printer, it's always super warm. Oh, yeah, because it literally adheres. It, it heat, I didn't know it, but it actually adheres with heat. Mm-hmm. So you're like hot. Like a heat gun is just heating up the ink and making it stick to the paper. There's no reason an, an inkjet printer would be hot because there's no heat in the process. Exactly. So okay. So when so at school or institutions, when you pull paper out and you hold it to your face and it's nice and warm, that's obviously a laser laser printer. Yes. Well, now fun to know. Now some problems with them. They tend to be very large because of all the parts inside. Oh yeah, they're big like industrial units. They yeah. use a lot of energy because they have to power the laser, the heating element. But some benefits is they are the crisp, most crisp text you can possibly get because it's laser precision. <coughs> Keep going. And besides the laser precision, it's also the quickest because lasers are quick. They can quickly roll it out. It's, and out. it's one like flash image of laser that just hits every part of the page or does it have to? No, it like it? quickly scans. Like, okay. you know how an old TV, the light, the light would scan on the back of the screen. Yeah. It's the same thing with this laser. It scans on the cylinder as it rolls, and then the cylinder falls onto the toner, and then the toner is then pressed onto the paper. And you can go at ridiculous speeds with this. And then it just has to run it through the heat. Yep. The actual ink to adhere. Adhere to the page. Wow. 
I didn't I didn't know that. That was cool. I thought <laughs> when I hear laser printer before I looked this up, I really thought it was laser was actually heating the page and doing marks on the page. That's what I thought too. I thought it was a one step like laser and somehow color comes out of that laser. What's also great is you they don't really need any ink, obviously. The I mean you do need toner, but toner replacements in comparison to how much ink you need is very low so they last a long time do you know what toner is specifically because i don't i don't really know the difference between toner and ink that that well toner is uh no i don't know i don't know it's i feel like they're very similar but obviously they're they're not they're completely different toners i know toners like a different different chemical and it reacts with stuff more okay well maybe it reacts with the heat or the charged yeah parts as the laser does because like if you heat up ink it, it doesn't really change but i think it kind of toner changes its form and like how it adheres to things and you can use more of it can be utilized in a single space than say ink right yeah maybe it can be spread out and it's more precise it seems well obviously laser printers are more expensive than inkjet printers and that's in part because laser printers are much better than inkjet printers correct? exactly yeah well bringing up inkjets let's talk about those so that's a completely different system the only thing in common is that they make paper come out in a nice beautiful print so the way an inkjet works is an electrical charge causes a small amount of ink to vaporize on the tip of a nozzle and because of the pressure differential of the page like where the page printing area inside the cartridge that difference causes the vapor bubble to drop onto the page. Vapor bubble. Now, that's pretty much it. It's just ink cartridges that move. Normally, it's your CMYK, your cyan. Oh, my. Your cyan, magenta, and your... Yellow. Yellow. Right? Yeah. C-M-Y. There's f- and black. In black, yeah. Yeah. So those guys. And by combining them, you get your color photo now this makes inkjet pretty cheap they're cheap parts and there's actually a problem that because they're so cheap the companies actually don't really make profit off the printers because they is it the ink that they make profit off of they upcharge inks yeah ink is like 40 dollars you can buy ink that's more expensive than the printer you're putting it in yeah, yeah, I've seen that. But you that's mean, because you go to they the office just supply yeah. store and you see it. That's because they just give out printers, really. Mm-hmm. If you get a computer, they normally give you a printer as it's well. It's funny you're talking about printers because I really want to get one back at my place at school to have rather than using the ones in, say, the library, even though they're convenient and you do have some some money toward them. To have my own is much more convenient. And I've found online you can find printers for like twenty dollars. But the thing is, they don't come with ink, and then the ink is going to be like $30. So you're looking at a $50 Well, in a sense, charge, it's also you know? <laughs> like a business model. It's like you give them the product that they'll need to refill. Mm-hmm. But inkjets are better than lasers when it comes to certain things. When it comes to printing out photos or color images, inkjets are the way to go because it's more precise. <laughs> I'll cough away. No. It's terrible. They do tend to have more issues, though, because they're cheap plastic parts and a lot of moving parts as well. Stuff can get jammed. Well, my last family inkjet printer, just completely the software went funky. And then it was like, oh, you can reset it, says the tech people. And then like, oh, it's not the software. It's actual mechanical failure. And they're like, the nearest um, repair center is in Maryland. 
And I was like, well, how does that help me? You just buy a new one. I'd never want to be a printer repair guy. That's like a, well, I guess you need printers to get physical things. So that's not, not a job that's going to go away. Yeah, it'll stay. Mm-hmm. But also another thing is the nozzles themselves for the ink, they can jam as well. So there's an, a lot of things that can go wrong. And the business model for printers in general are just out to make you spend more money. But hey, I mean, paper's cheap. Yeah, paper's cheap. Printing is not that cheap. But if you think of it, you're projecting an image that's on your computer and then putting it onto a physical medium. So I guess if you really, really step far back and try to explain this to a caveman, it's an impressive piece of technology. Well, you'd have to explain the computer before anything else. Well, you'd have to explain the camera that took the, took the image in the first place. You'd have to explain electricity at the same time. Well, that's, that's it's interesting that we're talking about transferring images to like physical copies because is that like a lost thing or are we just going to have like say tablets replace paper in the future where you're never going to have to print anything where instead of turning in a double-sided 10-page paper you're going to turn in a single iPad type device well now there's hologram. A, there's <laughs> this whole push for um you know got to go green let's not use paper let's keep it all clean so I feel like printers going to start going away. I'm not printing out my 40, 24 page paper. I'm uploading it to a website for class. So I think that's honestly probably where we're going. But when you think of like inkjets printing out large photos, large posters for that stuff, I think that's going to be around for a little while because there's something about looking at a print that's completely different than looking at it on a computer. Absolutely. I was just talking to my dad about this. When it comes to graphic design and someone wants like uh, a proof of something and they're like, oh, don't, I don't want a physical copy. I want to see it online. I want to see the final product. There's, there's a psychological part of your brain that can't see errors on a screen, whereas you can see it on a paper. That's why sometimes if you're editing a paper on your computer, you want to print it out and mark it with pen because you're going to find stuff you wouldn't see on a computer screen. It's, there's a literally a mental part in your brain that refuses to see errors on a screen because i guess you're used to it being so perfect it's kind of like a weird yeah that's kind of how it is but i print out my papers to edit them because that's the only way to really get like you're reading each word absolutely but also like printing out digital stuff is also very good as well i like printing out images you know and having physical images is way different than swiping on your computer or phone exactly so printers are necessary right i mean if you look on my walls i have photos of all. no what what type of printer printed out the ones behind you uh those are inkjets inkjet yeah and that's like really used for a picture yeah like really nice canon inkjet printers is that uh the old high school yeah that's the old high school photos from class is that a tilt shift image there in the bottom right yes it is it's very nice i like that admiring that I have to go out and do some more photos during this time. As do I. It's just so cold outside. There's snow now. We got a huge blizzard yesterday. It's 11 degrees outside right now. And tonight, I think it's going to drop down to single digits, almost zero. I mean, I want to go out and try because I got this new film camera I want to mess around with. I got film. I got it working. I cleaned it all up. Got rid of all the corrosion. It's all cleaned up. It's primed. We need to have a photography special soon. 
We do. We do. I I don't even know what topic I'd do. There's just we could just talk about photography for probably like thirty minutes. Our experience. Yeah. Or we our should. Interests. Or we should do it after we try to develop film at your house with all that. Absolutely. All the chemicals we got. Yeah, I have it. I'm ready to go. I I've tried loading up the AU one, but I, like I said, my lens is, is oh, funky. Right. The yeah, aperture yeah, yeah, yeah. is is sticking I'll, open. I'll it, it I'll check shut. it out for you. Yeah. But I'm ready to go. Otherwise. All right. Well, since you're ready to go in that, how about you're ready to go in your topic? What do you got? I have a little adventure adventure story today. Adventure story. The other day, uh, my sister actually shared an article with me. It's a, a New York Times article called "Deliverance from Twenty Seven Thousand Feet." Deliverance. Do you know Do you know this article at all? No, I have not. It's pretty popular. It's kind of uh, trending online, I guess. Um, it's from December nineteenth, so kind of recently. Um, it's actually the story of. Uh, four people traveling to climb Mount Everest. They were mountaineers and it actually was like a tragic story. And long story short, three of them died, but there, there's some reasons they died and one made it back. But the, the true story, this is a really long article. The true story is not about the adventure to climbing the mountain, but the adventure of getting the bodies back oh. from the mountain because they were obviously left up there because climbing in that extreme weather is extremely hard and obviously carrying extra weight you can't really do (laughs) so um long story short i'm going to give you the rundown four or three men and one woman um from india they're kind of 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 a lower class so they didn't have a lot of money but they're really passionate about mountain climbing decided they wanted to save for years and years to build up enough money so they could hire some Sherpa guides to take them to the top of Mount Everest. It was like the ultimate goal and prestige to get to the top of the mountain. Problem is they didn't have a lot of money. And when you climb Mount Everest, you need to pay a plenty of money to get really good guides for safety. There has to be like a doctor with you. You have to buy oxygen. You have to have the correct equipment. So they raised enough money to get like the most limited supplies. So when I, when, when I say a lot of money, say a lot of people who climb Mount Everest say like a doctor does it that's like his hobby mountaineering he'll pay a hundred thousand dollars to get all the supplies and sherpas to get him to the top and he'll do it you know it's safe because he's paying that much money it's a service that the tourism part of the country of uh, what is it nepal would get you to the top but for these indian people they didn't have enough money to buy even like the most basic guides so while on the journey a lot of the sherpas abandoned them actually because they were like slowing them down so it's just like kind of a horror story from the beginning so what happens when you're climbing mount everest if someone can't keep going you obviously just have to stop and go down but in this case they couldn't move so what happens is because they can't carry them down the bodies are actually left on the mountain and they're kind of turned into frozen landmarks and markers of different heights like there's one um, person who died there many years ago that was wearing green boots and they call it the green boots landmark because all you can see is the green boots sticking out of a pile of snow. And that's the landmark. I know. How crazy is that? Jeez, I didn't know this was so dark. It's very dark. And obviously what happens up at the top of Mount Everest kind of stays at the top of Mount Everest. Yeah, so anyway, there's there's these bodies that are just left on the on the journey up that kind of mark different points. And there's four, well, five main landmarks on the climb of Mount Everest. There's like the base camp, 
and then there's a shelf of ice, which is like a giant like glacier. Then there's the second, third, and fourth camps at different altitudes. And then after the fourth, there's the summit. Well, there's the second, the pre-summit, and then there's the summit. And when you're at that layer, it's called like the death zone. There's no oxygen. You need to have oxygen cans. And so these men, because they didn't have a lot of money, they couldn't afford a lot of oxygen cans. And one, one can can last you like 24 hours and they, they weigh a lot. So they only brought a couple to last them a couple days. And, and the journey to the top should only take a couple days. I mean, the final push can take, they say it's like 12 hours, six, um, like eight hours up and then the remainder they can push down because it's easier to go down. Right, so they're yeah. running out of oxygen, and you're not supposed to push to the summit past noontime because the afternoon weather is really iffy. You never know when a storm's going to blow in. But the one guy who was leading it was like, no, I paid all this money to get to the top. So obviously he was going to do it. So on his way up, some other people are coming down. They actually got the last pictures of him climbing to the top. And then he never made it because obviously some weather blew in. He ran out of oxygen. And his body was just left there hanging. And there's actually, I'll show you a picture. Yikes. That's what it looks like. And he's frozen. He's frozen, stuck like that on on the tether, on the final um, spine ridge to the top. And that's like a, a landmark as well. And it's a landmark. But here's the thing. It, it's not a landmark right now because when the Sherpas got back and, and word spread that these men, it was like tragic. Um, and obviously people have died before, but. In this case, it was kind of a lot of error happened since the beginning, so they've been rethinking all the all the procedures and everything. The Indian government actually paid money to have the bodies retrieved a year later. Well, I guess they were preserved since it's so damn and cold. And exactly at that level, you know, your skin turns black, but the organs are kind of preserved inside. But that picture that I just showed, he's rock hard, and there's video of them moving it, and it's just like a stiff. I know it's it's crazy and no one wanted to do it but they ended up paying it was over like $100,000 to retrieve these bodies and they they had to get them down from all the way at the top each of the bodies were at different camps they had to get them from the top down to the second base camp where it was low enough for a helicopter to come in and take them one at a time yeah I was gonna say you're pretty much then hiring people not to climb the mountain for fun but to climb the mountain to do a job the only people the only Sherpas that would do it were a group of Sherpas that had climbed the mountain like five times. They wouldn't, no one else would do it. No one else like really want to, I guess. Yeah. I mean, you're, all you're doing is getting dead bodies and carrying them down a mountain. It's not that flattering. It's like a, it's like a mission, a retrieval mission, you know? And a lot of in the past, they've exactly the number is, is 300 people have died on Mount Everest. I'm That's glad the they rounded it off. <laughs> <laughs> so, to get these bodies down was like one of the one of the craziest stories and, and this New York Times article is, is really interesting and it doesn't just tell the journey up like I said it's the aftermath and how much money and the brother who of one of the men who paid the most money to get the bodies back along with the the Indian government to get them back was running well what if we just put the money in at the beginning to get them better Sherpas and better equipment yeah rather than spending three times as much afterwards to get their dead bodies back. so it was just the one brother who made it well you said four went up and one came down right yeah one came down but it was the the girl that went with them and she didn't make it past the second base camp oh so she, she just got stayed. sick at the second one she just stayed there and she was the last one and actually the shirt her sherpa abandoned her actually so another group of climbers coming up found her at like these there's like these 
tent villages at the different levels and a lot of them are abandoned because you just like leave your stuff when you keep going and maybe you'll get it on the way back so they're just like abandoned it sounds really ghostly and eerie doesn't it yeah because no one's up there either no one's up there run into your friend on the streets you're just climbing at one of the largest mountains so you could run into anyone of any different nationality different languages it's like being on a different planet or something exactly and it's it's really remote would you ever climb mount everest well this article made me think i would love to do something like that but Something that scary, this, this kind of freaked me out a little bit. Yeah, I can imagine. I don't want to be up there alone, especially it's really, really cold. Really, yeah. really cold. Just picture outside now, just well, you sleeping get, out there. You have to have the money <laughs> to invest, I guess. Yeah, like I said, $100,000 is like close to what you would have to pay for the safest it, trip. The safest trip to get there and back, kind of, kind of guaranteed almost. I mean, the more you pay, the better it's going to be. The easier it's going to be, maybe. You still have to climb yourself, but... Well, I mean, there's big climbers out there who that's all they do. They hit all the all the continents, the tallest mountain in every continent. I know of stories of people climbing Mount Kilimanjaro, and that's a little bit easier. It's not, I mean, it's cold at the top, but it's kind of rainforest. Well, it's a mountain. It's going to be cold anywhere. <laughs> Absolutely. It's like rainforest at the bottom, so you can... It's like a warm It's a little hike. bit more yeah. doable, but you still need to deal with the altitude. And you need to go slow enough, and you need to have the right guides. I just can't believe Sherpas ditched them. I feel like that's... I mean, I understand you're risking your own life as well. So, in part, yeah, it was a lot of the there was arrogance among the men because they wanted to keep going even though it wasn't safe past like noontime. Yeah, and there's the last video from one doctor that was climbing down that morning of the last day they were pushing to the top. They stopped and they're like, "Are you sure you want to go? It's past." It was eleven twenty three, and he like look. It's a GoPro video of him looking at his watch and like showing him, and they're like, "No, we're still going." Yikes! So the one the one doctor that got that video wrote in his his journal he was documenting the whole thing that he was wondering if they were if they didn't know what time it was or if they were just like screw that we're going to the top anyway and obviously he found out later that they died and it became this crazy story so so well i think we all learned something today uh printers are terrible and uh climbing mount everest is not a good time (laughs) it could be a good time if you pay 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 the the right amount of money but sometimes you have to understand the risks but i mean if life goals are something that you really like strive towards and like if your goal is to climb mount everest you're not going to stop halfway but or to own a laser printer i mean if you want to own a laser printer as well maybe you can hey well if you do climb mount everest and you get to the top you can take a nice ink nice photo and then print out a nice inkjet you know hang that up on your wall that's that's all the money you need hey i'll tell you some of these images are crazy from the from above the clouds i'll definitely I'll definitely link it in the um the blog. Yeah, let's yeah, put the article in there. It's it's very long. It actually took me a whole morning to read. It's almost like a really riveting tale. It's like a book. They they climb the seven summits. Is it seven? Yeah, and also there's the issue of hypoxia where sometimes they, even though someone could say you have no time left, the brain's not working. There's Yeah. They say that you um getting hypothermia you think you're getting hot so a lot of the bodies that are left here don't have any clothes on them because they took them off because they thought they were like yeah because melting it's so right, hot. their brain's not working their brain it's called hypoxia and mm-hmm. they lose all brain control and well, hypoxia as well, that is the reason why you're supposed to put your air mask on when an airplane loses pressure mm-hmm. before you put on someone else because, so you could handle it yeah. because if you start losing oxygen you st- stop acting correct there's a great um wow what's it called 
uh everyday science no asap science no what's the guy smarter every day there's a great smarter every day video on hypoxia that you guys should all check out that channel's great there's so many great science youtube channels out there but i think that's what we have for this week's episode to top um i hope we didn't bum you out at the end but we all learned a lesson and i hope we didn't bore you with (laughs) how a printer works but it's still some interesting stuff so when you're sitting there hoping that your 50 page paper print out prints out correctly you at least know what's going on inside and Um, it's warm it's it's laser if it's it's not warm it's an inkjet yeah you know what they need they need some like nice stacks of freshly printed ink ink jets you know put that up on your body that's nice and toasty it's like that classic scene of a whole class getting fresh handouts and sticking it to your face it happens i've done it well we'll see you guys next week see ya this was two top an independently created and run podcast created by thomas lance and matt burke and produced by thomas lance Two Top is currently a non-funded project recorded weekly. For general inquiries or feedback, contact us at twotoppodcast at gmail.com. Thanks, and join us next week for another Two Topics.